Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Thanks for checking out this podcast. Remember, it's presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. If you're looking for tickets for an upcoming game or event at TCF Bank Stadium, Target Center, or XL Center, visit TicketKingOnline.com or the link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. Ticket King has all your tickets for Minnesota baseball, plus all the concerts, all the theaters, and at all venues. And Ticket King can take care of you for out-of-town concerts, sporting events, and more. Call 612-341-4141 or visit TicketKingOnline.com. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Go get that first down and get a touchdown, rock em. Welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, rejoined by ESPN.com's Ben Gessling and Judd Zolgad of the 1500 ESPN Mackie and Judd Morning Show. Still a little mad you guys did one without me last week. thought I was being killed off. Well, it wasn't necessarily ripped you. killed off. As more of a, it was a trial run. We wanted to see uh. what this was going to be like, you know, without Ben Gessling. And it went really well, actually. I thought it was really I good. didn't listen, and I'm sure I'm not alone in that <laughs> oh, endeavor. ouch. It was amazing ouch. when Kramer can give a whole thought without being interrupted, <laughs> how articulate the young man can be. Hmm. Well, we won't make that mistake twice. I know you won't. Well, guys, we had a pretty wicked storm in the cities here yesterday, and some pieces of the new stadium fell down. That's um, Second time we've had weather issues with the new stadium replacing the Metrodome. That's hmm. well, you know, the roof's not going to cave in. We do know that, but I do hope we? not. We do know now that sixty mile an hour winds and vicious thunderstorms can tear some paneling off the sides and into the streets. So they're going to figure out, I guess, what's going on there. That's where we sit yep. on July fifth, sixth. In other words, there's very little Viking fodder to talk about. So we're talking about the problems with the stadium. Which, hey, listen, all I know is that when the Metrodome was built, I want to say perhaps before it opened, the roof did collapse there. So. It's not new to have problems with a new stadium being built on that site in downtown. But I'm confident, I'm confident, as Les Frazier would say, the new stadium would be gorgeous. There actually is going to be a um, study put out later this month in July uh, indicating whether or not this stadium is actually safe for birds. Oh, we really are going to have one? There's going to be a real study. They kept kicking that down the road, didn't they? Yeah. This study is going to be put out the end of July. What if so KH has been reluctant to answer that question it might well i'm assuming i think I, I believe they're the ones who are fronting this so i believe yes. it could be more like one of the nfl studies where it's like there's no such thing as concussions we're yeah, good we're paying for it birds are alive healthy there's no such thing as birds <laughs> don't worry about it 
That's an optical illusion. Yeah, and the bird has never touched a stadium, the stadium at all. They're all alive and doing. What did any of the panels hit a bird on the way down? There's a study. What happens if the study comes back and says it's absolutely a massive hazard to birds? Do we just not play in there then? Then 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings, will devise a solution, Jed. Thanks, Ben. That's very good. <laughs> I was ben say, Bagley, ladies and gentlemen. I think you're just going to see a lot of whiteout on that report. Be like, guys, what, wait, wait. What? Redacted. Yeah. Redacted. Redacted. This is 12 pages. Why is there only two pages worth of notes here? I, I don't understand this. Anyway, we'll get into some Teddy Ridgewater talk. Ben's got an Adrian Peterson feature running on Sports Center. Is it next week? Next week is the plan. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Maybe you returning to Houston, possibly, for, possibly. Some, for some more Let's work. Let's not jinx it. You are the only you person I know in this world who actually wants to go back to Houston, Texas. And 53 oh, guys Houston. on the Minnesota Vikings roster would love to go to Houston, Texas in February, Judd. They w- yeah, that's a very good point, Ben. Before trying to defend the, ch- the championship in the greatest stadium in the NFL, U.S. Bank Stadium. Houston is one of my least favorite cities that there is. Yeah, it's not good. I'm not a huge Dallas fan, but I'll tolerate Houston's it. Houston's bad. Houston is, listen, do you want to know the problems there? Number one, it's this unzoned crap. They have no zoning. So you got a liquor store, a church, a whorehouse. <laughs> That's problem number one. Number two is when you don't zone a city, guess what? Everyone tries to build a downtown. So the Astro Stadium is in one downtown. Yep. The football stadium is near another downtown. Houston is, as far as I'm concerned, a complete army. It's like Atlanta. It's sprawled out. And the other problem there is it might be hotter than Phoenix. It, it, it temperature wise, it's not as bad, but humidity wise, it is. You told unbearable. us. You told us a couple of weeks ago. It gets warm there, Ben. It does get warm. That's there. what I hear. Yeah, <laughs> you sound very Midwestern when you say. <laughs> oh, it gets warm I there. Was trying to do you general. couldn't pay me to move to Texas. I've been told. I've, I've never been to San Antonio. I've been told that's nice, and Austin sounds like it's cool. But honestly, I love Austin. There is. Yeah. I don't think you could pay me enough to move there. Keep Austin weird. Teddy Bridgewater. Yes. You did it. He's the quarterback of the Minnesota. You Vikings. did a roundtable with the NFC North writers of the NF- ESPN NFL Nation, yes. uh, Rob Domofsky, Jeff Dickerson, Michael Rothstein. And you posed the question: Should Teddy Bridgewater stagnate in his development in this third year? What should the Minnesota Vikings do? Well, I would tend to agree with what my cohorts in the division said and say that they need to give it a little more time. I, I posed the question because it's. You know, it's an interesting question, and partially because when we were at this point with Christian Ponder, Rick Spielman talked a lot about how you can develop, you can evaluate a quarterback in about three years, and we'll be at the end of that point with Bridgewater at the end of the season. Now, I think they're probably, if Bridgewater stays on the course that he's been, if he does stagnate and plays the way he has, they're still probably going to say, we are not at a point where we're going to make a change, partially because of what a couple guys in the story bring up is that you don't want to have to start over. I mean, that's that's where I think the, the Bears have wound up or the Lions have wound up. Maybe you'd like to see some more things from your quarterback, but if you figure he's good enough to win with, you don't want to have to go through that whole process of backing up and starting over, especially when everything around him looks good enough for them to be a competitive team. Well, and C2, at least in a down year for quarterback prospects, it seemed like it was this year anyway in 2016. What are teams having to do now to go up and get a good quarterback? They're having to mortgage their entire future in the draft just to get a one or two pick to get the guy they want. And that's at least every class is going to be different. But that's at least what this past class has been like, and perhaps it's going to be like moving forward. That's what it was for RG3. Uh, That's what it could be for other guys. And you're right, Ben. You don't want to necessarily be that team 
um, that is going to have to restart constantly. And I think the Vikings, you've seen enough out of Bridgewater in the first two years to think that a third-year lull might not be indicative of his entire career. Right. I mean, the guy's still only 23 years old. I mean, I, you know, I think in the end, is he going to be elite? I, I don't hear as many people saying that as were saying that maybe a year ago. And people, and when I say people were saying that, it was people that probably wanted to see that happen. I mean, people nationally, I don't think we're saying that. People that follow this team, or probably are fans of this team, wanted to see it happen. Yeah, he had the end of that rookie season where he's looking really yeah, good. Yeah, you saw the rookie completion that, record, or third, excuse me, in that. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. You saw a lot of things that you say, okay, he can build on that. I'm not sure that you have anybody saying the same things, but in his defense, it will be interesting to see what happens if, for what I would say is the first time in his time as a starting quarterback that everything around him works in his favor rather than it being something that he has to overcome because he has had major, major things to overcome in his first two years as a starter. And that's the point Mike Zimmer makes a lot is the guy is 17 and 11 as a starting quarterback, despite the fact that he's never had an offensive line and has had Adrian Peterson for half of that time. He's had multiple different offensive linemen, three different split ends now start for him. Yeah. I think Chuck Johnson, Charles. Yep. Cordero. Well, did Cordero did start. Cordero one of did, starts. so it's four. Um, Cordero, well, assuming Laquan is going to be starting. Yeah, Cordero, yeah. Chuck Johnson, Stefan Diggs, Mr. Mankato, and uh, Laquan Treadwell. Uh, they put those pieces around him. You're right, Ben. Joe, what do you think? I think it's going to be very intriguing, and uh, Ben and I discussed this on the show, too. What's interesting to me is what they've either probably told Bridgewater or need to tell him, too, which is, Listen, with what we're going to ask from you in 2016, you're going to make some mistakes. And because it's been so beat into his head for two years, basically, what? Don't make mistakes. Be smart. Don't try and force balls in, passes in. And so part of the the evolution here or the process for him taking this supposed next step is going to be taking some chances. Uh, so with the protection supposedly improving, with the offense taking a step forward, one of the things they're going to ask him to do is to fit passes in to some tight places where they're going to be picked. So that's going to be the uh, the conundrum for the coaching staff, in, in my mind, too, is getting Teddy to realize, listen, kid, this year you're going to screw up a little bit more. The interceptions might go up. But if that happens, that's okay because we're asking you to do more as well. I thought that Teddy at the end of last year was very intriguing. I got the sense from his his comments to you guys. I thought those comments reflected a guy who basically said, look, I did what I was told to do to the best of my ability. Well, that's all well and good, but now they're going to be be asking for more. And if the results are going to increase, what also needs to increase is at times risky passes. How is the coaching staff going to accept that? That's the interesting uh little nuance to this Correct. entire discussion when we're talking about Teddy Bridgewater and that this offense now with different minds uh, putting different aspects into it, whether are talking about Pat Shermer or Tony Sperano under Norv Turner, this is a group that might look different in terms of how they do things schematically. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater said himself that the offense isn't different at all, yet you've got you know offensive linemen saying, yes, everything we're doing is different. So there's going to be different aspects of what they're doing, whether it's the run game or the run fits. Um, and in the, in the passing game, pass protection, stuff like that, that still involves the quarterback. And so with Teddy, you look at that third year, I think we need to judge that in its own almost a vacuum, knowing that, okay, that's the year perhaps that they're shifting that now to Teddy Bridgewater over an Adrian Peterson. I will be curious 
it's, it's interesting that you brought that up about the linemen saying everything's different. I will be curious <coughs> to see how that looks because one of the things I know that I think from what I've heard is become, was an issue with Jeff Davidson was that his input in the running game plan was oftentimes just too much volume. Like he would he would suggest things and put in things that they a either hadn't practiced or b weren't going to have time to get to. Whereas the the, the feeling with a lot of people around the league is a running game is all about repetition. You have six, seven, eight, nine, ten pet calls that you go to over and over and over. You can hit the same things. It's not like a passing play where you have to have as much variety. If you hit the same things and execute them, you can make it work. So that would suggest that the offensive line coach is going to have a fairly large input in how the running game is constructed. And when you have a guy like Tony Sperano who has been a run game coordinator, I would think it probably follows that some of his philosophies are going to make their way into the running game. How that meshes with the rest of the offense, I think, will be really interesting to see. Too, with quarterbacks in today's game, like you had brought up before, Ben, uh, with guys like Jay Cutler, guys like Matthew Stafford in the division, it's it's really hard just to find a guy who's serviceable enough to not throw games away for you, right? Like, yeah. there's only maybe, there's yeah. not 32 of those guys in the NFL right not now. Not even close. There are not 32, you know, uh, what you would call average starters in the NFL at that position. So when you get a guy like Teddy Bridgewater or Ryan Tannehill or Andy Dalton, you pay him $100 million because that's what they're worth in this market. And so with Teddy, I don't think that if he stagnates, you look at his 17 and 12 records as a starter right now, and you go, okay, you understand he's had some help. He hasn't done it all by himself. But in bigger moments, he's been able to keep his team in ball games and not throw it away. He's 17 and 11 as a starter, by the way. Don't count that Saints game against him. The Seahawks game? Oh, the playoff game. I'm You're talking about the playoff that. game. Oh, yeah. No, he's 17 and 12 with the playoffs. I thought you were Don't counting that, uh, that week three game against the Saints. Oh, no, 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 no. He, he started and lost a playoff game. Okay. He is 17 and 12. I suppose we can throw that in there. That <laughs> probably has some Wasn't his fault, though. significance. Blame Blair Walsh. Hey, Blair Walsh had nine points that day. I don't think Teddy had any. I think the best case, What? so what, what's the equivalent here? Because, you know, Rodgers, Brady, that's a great, that's fun. But those, he's not going to, to be that. Is the is the parallel here potentially, best case, boys, that you find a guy like Joe Flacco, who has decent regular seasons and then gets to the playoffs and can be great or very good. I mean, what what are we hoping for here? Because part of the problem is it's been so long since this team developed a quarterback at all. Culpepper is the last guy that they developed. It's been so long since Viking fans have seen them develop a quarterback, and then we start these pie-in-the-sky conversations of elite, elite quarterbacks. Well, as you said, Kramer, those guys are few and far between. So what is the hope of what you're going to get here? Well, Ben and I have actually had an interesting discussion recently about Joe Flacco, and, and I, we were talking about who was the last game manager quarterback to lead his team to a Super Bowl. Yeah, I said it was Joe Flacco. Ben vehemently denied it because he had, I believe, you said 11 touchdowns and zero picks in that yeah. run. Yeah, he played excellently well, no, through that, that playoff. playoff. He was, he was ridiculous. Out. Exactly, and that's something no, that's where right. you wonder, does Teddy have that in him? You know Joe has that big arm. Teddy doesn't hasn't shown that not yet. Close, right. And so you wonder if he's got that kind of playmaker, game-breaker ability in him to do that. I, I, I wonder. I don't know. I guess that's where I come down on Flacco, too, is that I think stylistically they're pretty different. I mean, I, I think the Ravens, in a perfect world, like to be able to stretch it out and have him let that arm go and and stretch down the field, whereas the Vikings may not do as much of that simply because Bridgewater doesn't have the arm of a Flacco. But, you know, we we talked about this a little bit on the show, Judd, kind of what a realistic expectation would be for him this year. I felt like if he's around, I mean, call it, I don't know, 22 touchdowns and he's, you know, 3,600 yards, you bump the yards up a little bit, 
and he's more effective in the red zone to get a few more touchdowns out of it, we'd be happy with that, right? I mean, wouldn't that be if he's if he's that and they are productive with Peterson and their defense is as good as it's been, they'll be a playoff team, I would think. The key to me is what you said right there and, and being more efficient in the red zone areas. Yeah. So they kick the most field goals out of anybody because, in part, they failed to score touchdowns more than anybody within 20 yards of the of the goal line. And the, the thing, too, is, and we've been talking about this, Peterson was drafted seventh overall in 2007. And other than the five years, what has one discussion point been year after year after year? That if you're going to bring everybody up into the box defensively, the quarterback has to make the defense pay. And other than Favre, it has never been consistently done. And this does not mean Bridgewater has to air the ball out once a week or three times a game or something. What it means is you need to benefit every once in a while from Adrian Peterson's presence and defenses being afraid of of what he can do. So they bring the safeties up to where every once in a while your quarterback can hit the long pass. I think we think of this as, well, Teddy's arm's not great, and we'd love to see him drive the ball downfield, which would be cool. It's not going to happen. But what can happen is you can certainly design plays every once in a while where if I'm going to pinch my guys up that my receiver can run a goal route and the quarterback can hit him in stride and defenses look at that on film for the next three weeks and say, okay, if they go to this play or if they do this, we're going to pay for it because that threat alone can help you so much. And other than 2009, I don't think Adrian's ever had a year consistently where his presence has caused that to happen. Or even to take advantage of the fact that in those situations, there's a single high safety. I mean, I think right. the the deep ball stuff with Bridgewater gets talked about a lot, and I think a lot of people like to make the media into a boogeyman with this, saying that's all we talk about is how many times he could throw it 60 yards. That's not what we're talking about. I mean, yes, there are times where you'd like to see him throw down the field, but there are throws that require some arm strength that are 15, 18, 20 yards that – okay, there's there's space in the middle of the field, be able to drive the ball, put it on a line, and give a guy a chance to run after the catch. If you can do that, if you can hit a guy in stride, a guy like Stephon Diggs has shown he can run after the catch, give him opportunities to make plays downfield. You'll get some of your big explosive plays without having to throw it 50 yards. Just the whole Bridgewater deep ball stuff, it, it's more nuanced than that, and I think we know that. But for the people that like to kind of say, oh, the media just talks about him chucking it 60 yards on the field, that's not what we're talking about. Look at the play in Chicago last year to finally break Absolutely. to finally break the curse against in, in Soldier Field. Teddy Bridgewater hits Charles Johnson for a leaping thirty-some yard grab yep. to put them in field goal position to go ahead and win that game. That's only done because Teddy just chucks it up there—a fifty-fifty ball that a, a six-foot-two leaping receiver right. like him can make. I mean, that's the kind of shots that they want to see him take now to give his playmakers like Rudolph or Laquan Treadwell eventually or Charles Johnson. Just give him a chance to go up there and get it because at times he was a bit too hesitant to do right. that. But that's where occasionally he's going to screw up and make a mistake. And if the coaching yeah. staff then comes back and says, what were you thinking? He's going to say to himself, well, I'm not going to do that again. Bridgewater very much strikes me as a guy who does exactly what he's told, and he's not going to go against what he's told to do. And if people come back to him and say, well, we told you to do it, but not that way, He's going to be like, okay, I'm not going to do it then. Yeah, you're right. He, so, he so you're walking a very fine, li- a fine line here of enabling your employee to do what he does. But if he goofs it up and you jump down his throat, he's going to turn around and say, "Well, you told me to do that." Mike Zimmer might be saying that too as a message to the rest of his coaching staff. There, there's probably a message to Bridgewater in that, but he might also be telling the rest of his coaching staff, if he makes a mistake occasionally, if he throws an interception occasionally. 
don't jump down his throat because we need to let this part of his game develop and people getting on his case for every little thing. And I, I don't know how much that is happening, but I, I do know that Mike Zimmer will sometimes you know kind of set agendas for sure. people in his building by what he says to people outside the building, namely the media. I, I do wonder if there is a little bit of a, okay, this is our, our platform with Teddy now, is that we are going to give him a little more rope. It's not always going to give us exactly what we want, but over the long haul, it's worth making that investment because we think it will help him get to where we eventually want her to be. We'll stay on the same side of the football. We've got Adrian Peterson. Ben, you were down there in Houston. Obviously, we did the podcast with you a couple weeks ago talking to you about his gym, the things he's doing down there. You brought up an interesting fumble drill that you might go down and see. What I'm hoping to do, I mean, our our feature from his gym, and he talks about some of the fumbling stuff in the story. I just saw a rough draft of the piece today. Really looking forward to people getting a chance to see it next week on SportsCenter. When is it air? It'll be sometime next week on SportsCenter. I'm not sure exactly the date, but I will... I will put you that on. I'm actually not on camera. I I was wearing a suit. I I interviewed him. What? I, I actually that, I take that back. the The beginning of the piece, which will be me leading into it, has not yet been shot. It will be shot, and yes, Judd, I will look good. Uh, that purple that shirt set aside. No purple shirt this time. That was for Prince, no, not for the Vikings. Skull Vikings. Yeah, right. One time I've worn it in, in four years of covering this team. It was a week after Prince died. At any rate. <laughs> So this this drill he does down there, uh, they basically they will they'll hook him up to resistance bands, and he'll be running you know, against the resistance bands carrying a ball while James Cooper, his trainer, is beating on him with boxing gloves. So I've been asking like, hey, I'd love to go see this, and, and maybe we'll put this in the feature, or maybe I'll just you know get a chance to to do some video on it. Um, you know the 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 thing I've heard since is like. Well, this drill puts a lot of stress on his body, so we have to be careful about when we do it. Point point at all this is, this is something they've done before. James Cooper said he's done this with Adrian. I think there was a year, you know, probably, what was the year he had all the fumble issues the first time? 08? Oh, nine. Yeah. Puts, I mean, a lot of, puts a lot of stress on Adrian's body or James Cooper on from Adrian's punching body. Adrian? No, from Adrian <laughs> for getting punched. Okay. But I, I, mean, I can't court, imagine it's easy for the trainer. Like no, a, I'm sure it's not. Big fight? Like a, I don't like think Adrian gets boxing UFC gloves. type fight or no. something. No, no, Adrian. MMA? Is, Adrian's carrying the ball and okay. getting wheeled on like he conceivably would be. It always comes back be. to boxing gloves. Why with this team? It Xavier, always comes back Adrian. to Xavier Rhodes. Yeah. Adrian. It always comes back. To he's boxing. got he's got boxing rings in there. Daniel Hunter was down there doing some boxing and some some MMA stuff. I would not want his gym. I would not want to see Daniel Hunter in a boxing ring. I mean, well, or Adrian, obviously. Yeah. But any of these guys. Apparently, Daniel Hunter is is pretty good at it. I mean, because yeah, wow. I mean, the hands are, are heavy and, and that he's, reach he's, he's got, yeah, I, such a long reach. Yeah, Andre Patterson I was talking to him about that, and he said Daniel sent him a video, and he he told him, "Don't let anybody see this because somebody's going to try to turn you into a boxer." <laughs> I don't think anybody in this day and age would look at boxing as a better career path than the no. NFL. But that being aside, I, apparently it was pretty impressive. But so, point in all this is that is one of the things Adrian is going to do to work on some of his technique things with fumbling issues, and it's something he did in the past, and I think it helped clean some of this stuff up. He said, and I'm going to write some more about this next week, but he said his his old high school quarterback actually was watching film of him after last season and noticed some technique things that he was doing when he carries the ball, <laughs> saying, hey, you know, you should think about doing this. He's like, yeah, I, I hadn't really thought Swings about that. Swings it around a little bit. That, that was the thing. Is And what Adrian said is that I get into this mindset because – 
what you know what's his second love what did he talk about wanting to do if he wasn't playing football he wanted to be a track star so he says sometimes what he'll do is get back into that sprinting mode where you're trying to drive your arms to generate power and in the course of doing that you're swinging the ball so he said that's one of the things that he really has had to address is saying okay when i'm out in the open I mean, it, it maybe is fine when you're coming through the line, but when you're out in the open, you think, okay, I can swing it around because I'm trying to get my speed up as, as fast as I can. Yep. Then all of a sudden, Cam Chancellor comes Gets and pops it out. Behind. Exactly. His two biggest problems uh, th- throughout his career have been his, uh, his swinging the ball around while carrying it, especially after he catches a pass. Yeah. And um, the biggest problem in 08 and 09 was his refusal to go down. Which, you know, it's admirable on the surface. He wants to try and get the extra yard or two. That was the problem this, but with these the Chancellor de- fumble, too. And these defenders are trained as, you know, we see all training camp. What? You punch the ball, punch the ball, punch the ball. And you pile on. So there's yeah. two, and three, so, four. Yeah. So essentially it would, It's and people have told him this for a long time, Adrian, it would make more sense for you not to get the extra two yards. If you're going to go down, yeah. just go down. I mean, if you're being gang tackled by three guys, odds of you getting out of that are very slim. But odds of you having the ball punched out go up a lot. So he's been told this. And I, hey, you and tell Adrian the odds of him better. getting out of the three-person tackle I know. is slim. And, well, to his, credit, <laughs> to his credit, after 2009, yeah. he improved in that. And I think the year away, and he, con- he came back last year and got a little bit excited about it, yeah. he reverted back. So I actually don't expect the fumbling thing in 2016 to be as big of a problem. I'm, I'm much more curious about him trying to develop the rest of his game. Yeah as far as that goes, because I do think he'll come back in 2016 with with better fundamentals when it comes to carrying the ball. I do think those two things are, are related somewhat, especially if he is more involved in the passing game, because him swinging the ball around does, I think, happen more when he's in the open field. And one thing he said that I thought was interesting in our in our interview down there, he said there's a, and he knows this, there's, there's a lot of defensive backs and safeties that are going to be trying to tackle him when he's in the open field that don't have a lot of interest in bringing him down. I think we saw that sure. in the 2012 finale when he had all those yards against the Packers. I remember a couple plays on that drive where I think it was Morgan Burnett from the Packers that was just trying to push him out of bounds because he did not want to tackle him. And Adrian knows that. He said there's a lot of guys that don't really want to tackle him. They make so business decisions. Do, well, exactly. And if you can force a fumble, you're not necessarily getting criticized for why didn't you bring this and guy down. It's You created a turnover, so you get a plus grade on that play. So... He does know that people are targeting the ball more because the traditional way of stopping him isn't necessarily a whole lot of fun. I certainly would not want to do it. Gentlemen, I want one 2016. All right, here's the thing. Here's the the thing, then. What would you. Before we we get to. Hold on. Before we get to. Let the man finish. Don't interrupt him. He's got something he wants to say. Go ahead. Yeah, Kanye West. The fact that you interrupt him, you. Andrew Kramer does not deserve this award. Ben Gessling in a much better year. The only, the only time I'm Taylor Swift in any scenario. Um, I'm going to let you finish, but Derek Whitmore has the best podcast of all time. <laughs> Would you rather tackle Adrian Peterson yeah. or go around boxing with Daniil Hunter? Well, I think I'd rather tackle Adrian. No, because I can one run time. from Hunter. I, I can no, just but you, dance I can run Adrian around the keeps ring. running at you until you tackle him, though. You no, have to bring him down. No, I'm going, I'm going around with like Daniil Hunter, and, just and I'm just around. going to rope-a-dope and, get, <laughs> and move around and hope to God he does not connect. Just run for three minutes. I don't have no interest in trying to tackle. I actually, Adrian yeah, Peterson. now that you mention it, yeah, I, I, could, I could run around the ring for three minutes. Peterson would be, if you, tr- if you had to tackle him, he would break at least two ribs. 
Yeah, and not probably. his. Yours. <laughs> Especially when he knows who's trying to tackle him. He would he would put a little extra into it. Yeah. The media? Yeah. We'd you think I can't tackle him? You think he can't tackle like on a Bears defender when he's running in the open field? He did ask me during our sit-down, uh, when was the last time I wrestled? And I said, I don't think I ever have. Was that an invitation? He said, Adrian, or? I got uh, I to gotta go. Well, yeah, he was yeah, talking like, about, I was asking him what MMA stuff, mm. what he gets out of it and what it, it does for him. And he said, when was the last time you wrestled? And I just kind of say, well, you you know you know what it's like if you've wrestled. And I said, and he's talking about the endurance stuff. I said, no, Adrian, my endurance stuff has been as a runner. I that's how I, I was going to say. Deal look at endurance. you. Why would you? Yeah. Well, and you're I clearly a guy that runs, and that's about it. Well, yeah, I you're mean, slight. I, I do come from say that in the best. The, the uh, you might have been a stretch. wrestling factory of Minnesota. You might have been a stretch stretch for in, in the '90s for basketball or something. Who knows? Maybe. Early 2000s. That's Maybe. right. Yeah, and if you had continued to play basketball like you should have, you'd be like Cole Aldrich today. I don't pulling think pulling down that big. four years and fifty something million. I probably actually would be about the right size to play hockey, except my fear of contact sports probably would have been a small issue. What does Adrian do with MMA? Like, what does he actually do? Does he fight people, spar with people? Does he? I mean, what kind of is it? I don't think he does a lot of it. I mean, I think he's probably more doing boxing stuff okay. than. MMA. He said he will get in there occasionally, and yeah, I think it's it's mostly sparring. It's you know trying to get out of takedowns and that kind of stuff. I mean, some of that kind of stuff. I think he. So it's, yeah, it's full body like UFC. Yeah, okay. yeah, more so than I don't think anybody's kicking him. But yeah. I mean, the boxing stuff he actually talked about too. I thought was kind of interesting. Just he said it teaches you patience because if you get in there and you're trying to just wail on somebody and out you know out punch them, you're gonna tire yourself out. And he said some of the application point of football is just learning how to pick your spots and not necessarily go in and overdo it which is i think is interesting because one of the things he's talked about in the shotgun is needing to be more patient and not trying to to speed up so much and not to say that all of this means he's going to come back a completely fixed product i think we've got to see it on the football field first but he is certainly aware of some of the things that people are saying and the things that he needs to fix and I think a lot of the, the training he's been doing, in addition to just getting his body right, has been to address some of these issues. Gentlemen, I want one prediction for the 2016 season from both of you. It could be anything. It could be a record. It could be an individual project, uh, prediction, offense, defense, anything. Three birds will Mankato die. Three, three <laughs> birds will fly into the stadium. It'll, it'll be three, so it just won't be three? a lot. The whole season? I'm saying three, but yeah, I'm saying three. three dumb birds. Three dumb birds will get confused and... And die, and it'll be a huge story. It's not like you're going to do a Prince reference there. Today, all seven will die. But that was you who wore the purple shirt. It was for Prince. It was not. No, it's because fine. I Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You were making the pick for Rick Spielman, and you wore a purple shirt. I have no problem with that. <laughs> My prediction: three birds dead. <laughs> do you have an on do you have an on field prediction? Oh, <laughs> not an on glass prediction. On the field. It's only July. Go right through it. It's only July. <laughs> Oh, uh, boy. Gessling, go ahead. I'll think about ben, this. Ben, you guys have already done the ESPN way too early predictions, haven't you, for something? For, like, yeah, random predictions? We we make a lot of predictions early. We're in that business. Not the record one, but I thought you guys did, like, a each NFL Nation reporter picks some random prediction. Yeah, well, I think we picked 100 things that were going to happen before the season. That's what it was. Um, yeah. The first one was Harrison Smith getting a contract extension. Ah, so. well. Nailed it. Um, not exactly. Go pat hard yourself one. on the back. <laughs> I, I will, Judd. Thanks. That's, that's, that's like a really leap of faith. Sprain your shoulder. It's not like I didn't make that same I'm, prediction. I'm just trying to tap dance so you can figure out something to okay. say when, you're, uh, when it comes to be your turn. <laughs> no, no, no. I got it. In fact, I think I had this as a write that down a month ago. Trey Wayne's. I think I put him on five picks. 
Trey Waynes, in fact, I think my write that down was Trey Waynes will have more interceptions by the end of the season than Xavier Rhodes because Trey Waynes will start early in the season and quarterbacks will throw at him way more consistently. And it's not that Xavier Rhodes will have a bad season. It's that they will pick on Waynes more. And if Waynes does what he should, he'll have about four or five picks. Who was the last Viking defender to have that many picks? Five. Sander Griffin had four in like 2011, I think it was. Newman led okay. with three last year. Yeah, it's been, they don't have a ton of picks. The year before that, that was the last one to be at four. Didn't Harrison have come away with five? Oh, you're right. You're five? Right. Yeah, Harrison had okay. five. I, I'm thinking corners. But anyway, but yeah, you're right. that's Harrison my prediction. Five in 2014. Trey Wayne, because okay. he's going to have to start at some point here. Hopefully early. My prediction is my guy, that wascally receiver, Laquan Tweadwell, don't beat yourself up. You even up. have like a purple Bergen, burgundy shirt me, on. Don't today. beat yourself up for that. I'm going to mispronounce that and boost Brujo's name all season long. <laughs> Brujo. I predict that he is the starting receiver day one. I know they've got him second team now, but I think they will do with him what they did with Anthony Barr. They will bring him along a little bit slowly in training camp, but by the middle of camp and certainly in the preseason, he will be the split end. They'll move Stefan Diggs over the other side. They'll roll with him. And I actually think there's a chance Treadwell leads the team in receptions. I think Kramer? this team could have a top-five pass defense. I think what Mike Zimmer's yeah. done, uh, stocking the cupboard at cornerback, addressing that safety spot, even though they didn't throw a bunch of resources at it, they've at least got bodies there now, uh, people to sort through. Third year in the system for guys like Harrison Smith, Xavier Rhodes. Uh, that pass rush, too, going into the pass defense, the amount of pressure they're able to put on quarterbacks with Mike Zimmer's blitz schemes. You know, knock on wood if you're the Vikings, but you need guys like Sharif Floyd to stay healthy, Anthony Barr to stay healthy to keep that kind of hope alive. But this, it could be a top-five pass defense, and that's that's going to be my homer prediction for uh, for the week. Look at the purple sunglass in this room. All sorts of positivity. <laughs> it's what you're left with on July the uh, 6th. Soon enough, training camp will start, and then we can start to tear things down. It's going to be hot out there too, right? Just like Houston. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged or Chris Howard. University of Michigan QB J.J. McCarthy makes bold predictions but doesn't fulfill them, and Ohio State kicker Noah Ruggles misses an opportunity to etch his name in Buckeye lore. Fans love their teams and the players. That is, until they don't. When it comes to finger-pointing, you'll find no greater antagonist than the fan. Why? Because it means more to them, or so they believe. As a former player, nothing angers me more than armchair charlies accusing the teams of overlooking opponents or blaming players for providing bulletin board material. But leading up to the game, the fan is the one talking the most, boasting the most. When the team is winning, it's a lot of we talk. But when the team loses, it turns into they lost. You will never know what those moments feel like because you didn't put in the work to earn those feelings from those moments. That's the great thing about being part of a team. You win as a team, you lose as a team. We cry, we console our brother, we don't point the finger, we go back to work, back to the early morning workouts, the hill sprints, back to the bloody noses and broken bones. Why? Because it really means more to us. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. And don't forget BetOnline for NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only. 
right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC.